right now, he is joining us on the uh, on the Harbor One Hotline. He is the, uh, I would say, he is the vice president of the hockey department at ESPN, but the head of college hockey, John Butchergrass with Gresham Kiefer on the WEI Sports Radio Network. Butchie, good afternoon. How are you? Screw you. I'm the president. <laughs> you are? Well, you yeah, know, Booch, I, I didn't know how these things worked because I know Melrose is still around, so you're not going to be able to... You... I make his dinner reservations when we go on the road. That, that, <laughs> so that makes you the president. So you're actually then technically, so you're technically the traveling secretary. So you are uh, a lot like George Costanza of the hockey department. Boom, roasted. You're right. <laughs> so, what did you make of the uh, the overtime period last night, Bucci? Look, the hey, the the Bruins did a great job to be able to come back and tie that game at three. Uh, how did you see overtime? Was it really as simple as just one mistake? Yeah, I mean, overtime is a random event. You know, Mario Lemieux, Mark Messier, Gordy Howe have never scored an overtime playoff goal. Uh, it's at that point, it becomes very random. Uh, it's a mini game. It's not a 60 minute game. We can judge people with stats and, um, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, Corsi ratings and all the, the, the deep nerd stat stuff. It's just random. And obviously Jeremy Lazone is, uh, proven to be statistically the worst five on five defenseman in the playoffs who have played, you know, a good amount of minutes. He made a poor play. Now getting the puck to Charlie McAvoy is always a good play. Um, he tried to make that move. The play was obviously probably dump it in the corner along the wall, but they hit a teammate's leg, and boom, Casey Zizekas, who hasn't gotten a playoff goal since 2015, hmm. he's gone 40, 45 playoff games without a tuck, has the greatest wrist shot of his life, <laughs> an unsavable absolute seed, uh, top shelf where Mama hides the thin mints, and the Bruins lose. But certainly they could have won a couple times on those bounces in overtime. Taylor Hall had a chance, almost went off his thigh and, so, yeah, it's a random event, and you can't judge overtime losses, really. The Bruins played well enough to win. You mentioned the comeback. They have great players. They're a better team, but just came up a bit short in overtime. How do you feel about the Bruins overall in this series? Because I don't want to sound like too much of a homer, but I still feel like they win this thing five, maybe six max. Yeah, I don't think they'll win in five now. If they would have won to, uh, last night, I would agree with you, probably split in New York, come home, win game five. I think it'll be six or seven now. They're pretty even. Obviously, the Bruins are better. They have three Hall of Famers on one line. McAvoy is going to be a Hall of Famer one day. Islanders don't have any Hall of Famers. They have a lot of David Krejci's, like good players. Mm. Barzal and Nelson and Josh Bailey. I mean, these are really accomplished. They'll be 15-year NHL guys, you know, make 75 to $100 million and have really good careers, and one or two might get their number retired like Krejci will in Boston one day, but not make the Hall of Fame. They're the second-best goal prevention team in hockey after Vegas, the Islanders. The Bruins are a top-five goal prevention team, so they're good. Uh, the Bruins score more, but the Bruins are an average-scoring team. So you put an average-scoring team right in the middle of the pack during the regular season against the second-best goal prevention team. These will likely be low-scoring type games, so we know they can go either way. John Butchergrass of ESPN with Gresh and Keefe talking some hockey. I never thought I'd be uttering these words, John. Boy, the Bruins missed Craig Smith on that second line last night. Yeah, he's really good. You know, Jake DeBrusque has a lot of qualities, but hockey sense is not a high-level quality of his. I thought he actually played better than I thought he would last night. I mean, Taylor Hall and David Krejci are so smart. They're great passers. You kind of want a guy who knows how to get into dead areas and dead space. That's not really Jake's strength. He's a great skater, north and south, great acceleration. 
and he worked really hard last night. Like you could tell, he rose to the uh, occasion in terms of effort. Just doesn't always know where to go in those dead areas to get those chances to score. So we'll see what happens if Smith can come back in game three. It sounds like he might be able to. Um, but, yeah, that would be big for depth. I thought overall, though, the four lines all played pretty well. They had over 40 shots on goal. It's just on defense. You know, when 55's out there, it's a little nervous. And actually, I thought 25 in overtime was a little nervous as well. Rizvik is awesome. McAvoy might be the best in the game right now overall on defense. He's a savant. So they're still in pretty good shape, like you said, to win the series in, in, in six. How much of a priority do you think re-signing Taylor Hall will be in the offseason? I think it's pretty big because of his age and they're an older team. I think they can figure it out. If they get Tuka, to, if Tuka wants to keep playing, they can certainly, I think, get him to shave maybe a million and a half off his, off his cap number. They have a cheap backup in the rookie in net, which is always important. They'll save a little bit there. And so, yeah, it's going to be tough. They've got to extend McAvoy. He's going to be a $9 million cap hit in a couple of years, and that's going to be a little bit tough. And they need Krejci, too. I think they'd like for Krejci to come back and play with Hall on a two-year deal. Um, you know, I think he'll come down a couple million as well. So if they can shave Tuca and shave Krejci, I think they can find enough for Hall uh, to do maybe like a five times six. That would not give him more than six million. If he's going to get seven or seven and a half, I'd let him walk. You can't give him more than Marchand um, and certainly Pasternak for showing up for two months. Uh, Marchand's done too much uh, to that organization, to, I think, to have Taylor Hall walk in and make more. That wouldn't be, I don't think, that, that could be a bad taste in his mouth. John Butchergrass of ESPN with Gresh and Keith talking some hockey. I'm just going to tee you up to let you talk about Tuka Rask, Booch, because you know around here, and I mean, after that game one of the, the first round against Washington, oh, Tuka was the worst goalie on the planet, and the guy's been damn good ever since. Is there a part of you that is like, God, why haven't people in New England gotten on board with Tuka Rask yet? Yeah, it's kind of weird because you could tell the crowd last night was really trying to build him up. They, they gave the Tuca chant every save he made. Like, you could feel the love or feel the support. You know, the, and I mean, the Bruins crowd has been unbelievable. I can't believe the theater and the entertainment, it's at least providing me watching on TV. It's just unbelievable. And I thought they really tried to support him last night. I don't know if that's just a kind of, you know, one of the social media from a distance. It's like that. That video on uh, Twitter we saw, the two barking dogs barking through the fence. They open the fence. They stop barking. They close the fence. <laughs> That's kind of the Bruins fans in Tuca, it seems. Uh, he's a chill dude from Finland. He's a little different, but he plays so calm in net. I think Bruins fans, sometimes you, they're used to the extrovert in net, like Cheevers and Thomas and that kind of guy. He's not that. He tries to stay calm. He's gotten bad luck with deflections. Another one last night. And uh, so overall, he's been calm and very good. And, uh, but at some point, you do have to be great to win playoff games. Good goaltending doesn't win playoff games and rounds. Great goaltending does. So at some point, you, you know, pitch a shutout, pitch a one-goal game uh, here in the next couple of games, and that'll win the series for him. Pasternak, no goals last night, but a hat-trick in game one. Is there anybody better at scoring goals right now in the, in the NHL? Well, again, just all three of those guys, I think, have elevated their career resumes because they play with each other. Yeah. Bergeron's now a Hall of Famer because he got to play with Pasternak and Marchand in his 30s, and he's putting up numbers, which now gives him a Hall of Fame resume. Marchand, because he plays with Pasternak and Bergeron, now has a Hall of Fame resume. And Pasternak's Hall of Fame resume is off to a great start because he plays with Bergeron and Marchand. Right. So it really is a perfect line in, in many ways. Um, but I, his skating in game one and Bergeron was so much improved I don't know if they have little nagging issues, but when Bergeron skates like that, that's when the Bruins are an elite team. When he has a nagging injury like we saw in the bubble last year and he skates like it's an old-timers game, 
uh, it's not good. But right now, the, the way Pasta and the way uh, Bergeron are skating, that's when the Bruins become elite in any secondary scoring. And they should win when they score three goals. Um, is going to make them a tough out until they get to the you know Tampa and Colorado. That's that's a whole other whole other level. Uh, Bucci, do you see with the uh, games now heading to Long Island for three and four? We know the Isles are going to get the final change. Does that change anything, uh, either from a philosophically or is there any major changes from a Bruins standpoint that they've got to be really aware of or on alert for? In your opinion. I think so because one thing the Islanders do well is they are a good face-off team. And obviously Bergeron is the best in the league. Um, and so the Bruins usually have the advantage in that. I wonder if we'll see more Bergeron defensive zone face-offs because, like, like you said, the Islanders, when they get those and then they win those draws, that's their game. Get the puck at the net, throw it out there, bounce it off a body. They're not going to – shouldn't beat the Bruins off the rush very much. So I do think the face-off percentage, again, kind of a – a geeky thing to look at, but it is something to keep an eye on. And will Bruce Cassidy throw out the top line more, thinking defense first, as opposed to the fourth line in defensive zone draws? Which team uh, across all of hockey has impressed you the most so far in the playoffs? Colorado's by far the best team. They're the Brooklyn Nets of the NHL since New Year's. Like, far and away, an absolute wagon. Nathan McKinnon is just an insane stallion on skates. He plays, I mean, like Terry O'Reilly with Maryland talent. Like, he plays like an absolute Tasmanian double, but has all kinds of skill. No one has a harder wrist shot, and they are loaded. Again, it's about like when you go to the playground, who do you pick? Or even the Hall of Fame argument. I mean, Rantanen and Landeskog and McKinnon, that's their perfect line. And they get McCarr in the back end, that's McAvoy. And then from there, it's just what do the secondary guys do? So they are loaded right now. They don't have the elite goaltender, so that's still a bit of a question mark. But right now, Colorado and Tampa, to me, one of those two will win the cup. I was just going to say, Booch, and I know I'm jumping ahead here, but can we dream Bruins Canadian Stanley Cup <laughs> final considering the way this bracket's going to maybe break down this year? Exactly. I mean, Montreal would have to be Colorado or Vegas, and the Bruins would have to be Tampa Bay. So it's it's a long shot, but hey, hockey has a goalie. And when a sport has a goalie with a 4 by 6 net, anything is possible. Uh, a goalie can get hot. He doesn't have to be a stud. We saw Anton Hudobin last year do it for Dallas. We saw, we saw a Zamboni driver win an NHL game in Toronto for Carolina. The position cannot be that hard. If a dude can come off the Zamboni and win an NHL game in the third period against Austin Matthews in the league. So anybody can get hot at any time. But, yes, it is a possibility. Montreal beats Winnipeg, and they beat Colorado, and the Bruins win the series and beat Tampa Bay if they go on to win, and we will have a Montreal-Boston final, which I, I got in my lifetime when I was a kid. We had Bruins in Canadian Stanley Cup finals. There we go. We need a, another one. That'd be great. John Butchergrass, he is the president of the hockey department, the That's head right. of college hockey, and uh, Barry Melrose's traveling secretary. <laughs> Bucci, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Boy, the show's really good. I wouldn't just say that. I drive around here, down here in Plymouth, and you guys are really, really on point. Great listen. Keep it going. Boy, you're very Butch, kind. Thanks so much. Uh, look at that. Verbal hugs from Love John Butchergrass as it. well. He dropped a boom roasted, so you know he listens. He did. Uh, thank you very much. I could have uh, gone. More than Ottolini listens. I do. Uh, boom roasted. Boom roasted. <laughs> exactly. Add that to the pile, John. Perfect. But- Butchergrass was working at Channel 12 in Providence when I was playing football at URI oh, before really? they built like the Ryan Center down there. No kidding. So there's like 
tall, thin, and spindly Bucci, like leaning up against the thing, waiting to talk to my old college coach, Floyd Keith. Well, that was a waste of time. (laughs) That guy is just an a hole. I mean, what a terrible time. That was the first assignment. He probably had. Oh, yeah. Talking to a bunch of URI football players before we got waxed 44-3 to by William and Mary. That's a real career highlight for yeah. him. Well, but that's uh, probably no, no longer on the LinkedIn. No, I, would, I wouldn't think so. No, that's not on the reel anymore. 